Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Philippians 3, Philippians 3 verse 12. I'm reading this morning from the message again because I've done this a few times recently but I've really been captivated by some of what the message has to say. So forgive me if you're reading from your Bibles and you can't follow this but the message should be up on the screen if you want to read that. It's verse 12. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. But I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ. Who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, this is Paul speaking, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. And I'm not turning back. Amen. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Verse seventeen, nineteen. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is Easy Street. They hate Christ's cross, but Easy Street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods, belches are their prayers, and all they can think about is their appetites. Finally, verse 20, 21, but there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. Brilliant scripture, this. Love it, the message version of what Paul has to say about his goal. His goal and other people's goals. The title of my message today is the goal of the year. The goal of the year. I believe that many of us now, it's just the first week, we're in January. There's many things that already, New Year's resolutions, things that we're thinking about as we step into a new year of what what we can do. And we've already broken them. We've already said, God, when I get there, I'm going to do this. But we've already broken them. Within a few days, within a few hours, we couldn't even keep our word to ourselves. We've all got many goals we want to achieve this year. We've all got so many things, things we want to follow. But Paul's speaking here, isn't he, about his goal. His goal. There's many things. I was looking on the on the internet at the top five list of most commonly broken. This is not most successful, but most commonly broken resolution goals. Lose weight and get fit, number one. Number two, quit smoking. Number three, learn something new. (laughs) Number four, eat healthier and diet. We're already trying that in our house, trying to cut down the chocolate biscuits and all these kind of stuff. And then number five, get out of debt and save money. And so many of these things we try to achieve, and there's so much more that we try to do. And in our mind, we've got these lists of, I want to achieve these things. If I can do these, then I I can get myself right, and then I can move forward. I can do the things that God wants to do. Let me tell you, the five things I've just listed, none of these things are bad. These are all good things. All good things to to look to do. But there's certain things as well that we do or we want to do that are not necessarily just trying to stop things in our lives, but actual goals and paths we want to follow. Things in our minds. In the book of James it talks about, doesn't it, about boasting about tomorrow. Saying, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And God says, without me, you need to bring me into it. 
You need to say, if it's the Lord's will, then we'll do this. I meet so many people who say, I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I think you don't even know whether you've got the next breath. But yet, we have so many plans. These are all good things. All good things that we have in our minds to do. Paul here is talking about a goal, some primary goal that has captivated him to share. And he says, I've told you many times about the people who try to follow other ways and do other things and other goals. And I'm having to tell you again. But he says, I've got this goal. He's talking about a specific goal. So what is he telling us here? Number one, I think, is he saying to try your best. Many of us think, I can't do this, I failed, I can't follow God, I can't do this goal, this thing that he wants me to do, and I failed, and we start to look on ourselves and start to feel like a failure of moving forward. Paul here says, to try your best. Paul says, verse 12 14, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. He says this, I'm not saying that I've got it all together. I'm not saying that I've achieved this Christian walk, this goal, I haven't achieved it, I haven't got it all together. I haven't got it made, he says in the message. He continues to say this, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. However, he says this, but I've got my eye on the goal. He says, I'm not an expert. I haven't got all this together, but yet I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Paul's saying, I haven't got it all together. I don't feel like I'm on top of the world. I don't feel like I've got this Christian thing together. And I need to achieve so many things before I can move on. He's not saying that. He's saying, I haven't got all these together. I know I can't know everything or be an expert in all of this. But all I know is God is calling me to a goal. A simple goal to follow Him. And it's important for us to try Again, to try our best. It's not about whether you can succeed every time with God. Some of us do this. I remember when I got saved and I went down to um, Wesley and it's now changed, I think, the name, the bookshop. And I went and bought a stack of books and I went on holiday and I was reading loads of books. And today there's so many, if you walk in that shop, There's so many books in that Christian bookshop that can tell you, let alone the Christian bookshop, you go in Waterstones or anywhere. There'll be lots of books that tell you what you need to do with your life to achieve, to be successful, to get on top of everything. And so many of us go out and we buy these books thinking, once I've read all these things, when I get it all together, when I get all these things together, then my faith will be strong. Then I'll be able to do great things for God. Then I'll be able to do the kind of things that the church is talking about. But Paul says this. He doesn't say, I read all the books. I read everything and then I got to an expert and then I knew what I needed to do and I had the means to do it or the strength to do it. He says, I'm not an expert. In fact, sometimes he must have failed. He says, I'm not an expert in this. I haven't got it made. But yet he knew his goal. And some of us here today saying, I'm excited about this year, but if I just, I've seen this book, if I just read that book, watch the DVDs and get excited, if I can just do this, then I'll be ready. Do you know what? You'll never be ready in that way. God wants to do it in a different way. He says, I want you as the failure that you are. I want you with all your failures. I want you with all the lack of knowledge that you don't have. 
You don't have to be an expert in this. Our objective this year is to take part in the race. Many of you hear that we, we can take part, it's the taking part that counts. Not the winning. Let me tell you, I, I said it earlier today, we're on the winning side. We are going to win. That's the thing. But actually, it is the taking part. You will fail, God. But God never looks down on us. If we have a heart for his goal, then we'll just pick ourselves back up and say, God, I'm not, I'm not giving into this. I'm keeping on going for this goal. Paul says, I'm well on my way. Even though this next year to some of us is thinking already, some of us are thinking, it looks so difficult. The challenges that I'm going to face, these guys, no one knows about it. There's only me knows the challenges that I've got to face. No one knows how I'm feeling now and how difficult it is. But God says to us today, no matter how big the challenges are, remember the goal. Remember the goal. What I love about this, God is our biggest supporter. I don't know if you've ever seen it on TV. I used to love uh, watching when I was younger and there's many things like it. But I used to love, love watching the Tour de France and the cyclists when they go out into France. And I always admired the people who would go and climb up mountains to stand on a corner just to watch for just a few seconds someone come past. When I could watch it on TV for 30 minutes, all the highlights, the best bits, and not have to travel anywhere. But these people had gone to France to climb up a mountain in the red-hot heat in the middle of the summer to watch just a couple of seconds. And the reason why they did it is because they were passionate. They were passionate and they wanted to cheer on those riders. Those riders... and. Even not just riders, footballers, people in sports. The whole reason why they love their supporters is because it spurs them on. If I've, I've chatted to young lads before and they'll say, there's, I'd love to be a footballer and I'd love to just hear the roar of the crowd if I was to score a goal in a stadium. There's something about the support that drives them, that they love, that fuels in what they do. And let me tell you today that God is your biggest supporter. He's the one who's climbing the mountain in the red hot heat to watch you go around a bend. And if you fall off the bike like they did sometimes, he's watching and he's your biggest supporter. He's not there this year to shake a stick and to say, boy, you failed. You're no good for me. In fact, it's the, quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. He's not here to say, you fail me. He's here to be our supporter and to spur us on. There's long-term goals. There's a long-term goal, should I say, and short-term goals. You see, the long-term goal that Paul talks about is his salvation. The full fruition of his salvation. The goal, the prize. The prize of eternal life. You're saying, who's this Paul? If, many, if anyone today doesn't know Paul, is Paul used to be a persecutor of Christians. Paul was someone who hated Christians. He hunted them down and killed them. But yet this guy, because he met Jesus, and Jesus became so real to him, all of a sudden, the thing that he was focused on destroying becomes his primary goal. His primary goal. He had this long-term goal. In the midst of the long-term goal, we all have our short-term goals. We all have our short-term goals, as it were, little things that we're trying to do to achieve the big goal. And it's these little, that you see, the big goal, you're definitely going to achieve it. If you're with Christ, you're on the winning side. There's no doubt about that. But you will fail in the short-term goals, the little things you're trying to do to achieve. And God says, don't worry about the full end goal, the ultimate goal. If you keep failing on all these little tasks, all these little things that you're trying to do, remember the primary goal never changed. 
You see, you say, well, what do you mean by this? There's many times in the church here we've tried different strategies and ideas of trying to attract people to God, to show them that this truth, some things haven't worked, some things have. But every single thing that we've ever tried to do, whether it's good or bad or it's failed, is all pointing to the same long-term goal. Paul says, don't forget this long-term goal. Don't concentrate on the things that are going wrong that are short-term. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24 says this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? This is talking about a natural race. But then he says this to the, to the readers, Run in such a way as to get the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. The one thing that's amazing about the race we're all on is that we're all going to win. If we're with God. In a natural race, only one winner. But we're all going to win. And he says, run in such a way, in the knowledge that you are going to win. Everyone, verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it. To get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave. So that after I've preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul says this. I want you to look at this again. He says, No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He says, I strike a blow to my body. In other words, he says this. I preach about God. I preach about who he is about this prize and the difficulties. But speaking, it's not enough. I need to be self-disciplined myself. And he says, it's almost like he says, I'm bringing my body to be a, a slave to righteousness. The biggest things that hinder us sometimes are sins, the things that are getting in the way of our move and our walk with God. And Paul says here, I don't just talk about it, I don't just talk about this goal. Actually, I strike a blow to my own body. I take ownership of my body and my desires. The things that, the lustful desires that take me away from the goal. He says, I strike a blow to my own body. And he, and he says, speaking out is just not enough. We need to act on this as well. I'm always amazed by it on the TV when the Olympics happened. That all the people, the, the British did very well and got all these gold medals. And they looked amazing when you looked at them. They, they held these medals up. And they did train very, very hard. And they were so successful. It was a proud moment for this country. When we saw them winning these medals. What such a proud thing for us as a country. Because we did so well. And so proud for the ones who trained so hard to get these medals. But what next? What next? What will they do next? What's their next challenge? If you've won a gold medal at the Olympics, what's your next challenge? You see, the back, we've just read here, it says that the crown that we're going to run for, the goal that we're running for, is something that will never fade. It will never perish. It will never perish. We need to remember that the goal we're running for is not something that one day we're going to say, what next will be fulfilled. Paul concentrates on disciplining himself to run for this goal. Number two today is together is better. Together is better. We read this in verse 17, earlier on, in Philippians. Stick with me, Paul says. Stick with me. 
friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course. Heading for the same goal. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running this same course. Heading for this same goal. The NIV reads this. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Paul's saying here, not only just try your best, but stick with me. He talks about team. He talks about sticking together. You see, we can't do this and I can't do this next year on my own. None of us can. Paul says it's important to stick together. He says, stick with me, friends, brothers and sisters. Stick close by. We do this together, not on our own. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The same scripture goes on to talk about a cord of three can't easily be broken. Let me tell you something. There's something important about us as a church sticking together as a body. Jesus wants his church to function like a body. It's not about a one-man band. It's not about someone doing everything. It's about us all chipping in together. One of the greatest things that was just so blessed me last year, at the end of last year, is when we all went out onto the streets and the church got together. And different people did different things. Some prayed here, but every one of us We're doing things together for an ultimate goal. To win people for Christ. Even today when I went downstairs, there were a few people downstairs in the room just praying before the meeting started. Praying for God to move. We need these people. It doesn't happen by plans and strategies and ways of doing meetings. When God moves, He moves because His body is functioning. Paul says we should stick together. Our goal should be to be part of the body of Christ. If you're saying, well, I don't know if this is the right church for me, then I've got some news for you. We'll find a church that is right. If you say, I'm not too sure about this, or I'm not too sure about that, find somewhere where you're happy. People come and chat to me sometimes and talk to me about church and where they think about going. I just said, do you know what? Go to where you will be rooted and you'll be fruitful. Go to where you will do something for God. Not worrying about X, Y, and Z. Do you know what? I'm always saying that there's too much to do for God for us to start worrying about all these little details. And I'm I'm astounded sometimes of people who have the time for these details when there's so much to do. The fields are wanting to harvest. The workers are few. I believe that it's important that if we're going to be part of the body to make it function, that it's important that we're not the hired hand. You see, a hand to a body, it needs to be on the body, not separated. And we need to get away from this thought that we can just be the hired hand, coming in when we're needed and then going. Sometimes if we operate like this, it can tend to be like if you ever speak to someone who's been, their legs been amputated or their arms been amputated, they'll say they can feel still the part of the body still there, but yet they can't do anything. And let me tell you this, sometimes for the church it's like this, that there's people who are hired hands and they come in when they, when they're needed, but then it's, they're not there. And it's like, The church feels this part that should be there. But they they move their hat, there's nothing to move. And it's like it's been amputated. And I believe the word of God to us is this, stick together as a body. 
Because you're beautiful to me when you operate as a body, not just individuals. It's so easy now these days for us to jump online and listen online to church. We have the online services going out. Even now this is live. People can listen in their living rooms. And it's so easy to actually attend church in your living room. It's so easy for you to think, do you know what, I'm going to just sit and listen today. And there's nothing wrong with that. The whole reason we do this is to help people who can't make it to church. And to help people who want to listen afterwards. But let me tell you, there's nothing can replace being together. You can have as many online sermons or listen in your living room as you want, but nothing will ever replace being together as a church. I don't know about you, but at Christmas, many people I've seen are doing the Skype calls and isn't it amazing that you can talk to someone? We were talking to someone in New Zealand on Christmas Day on Skype, and the picture quality was just amazing. Really sharp. And I'm looking, thinking, years ago, you'd never dream of being able to talk to someone in New Zealand, the other side of the world, literally, and be able to do this so easily. But what's amazing is this, as, as high definition as you can get, You'll never get the same as being in a room with that person. You'll never see the twinkle in their eye. You'll never see the movements in their body, in their faces that give off those mannerisms to understand that communication that we we were designed for between us all. You'll never see it through a screen. The other day they were talking about on TVs now that you can get super HD. I don't know how super this is going to get. You go to the Apple store, they talk about the retina displays that are that good quality. You can't see the pixels. So how on earth they can get better? I don't know. But however super HD you can get, however good it can be in your living room, it does not replace being with the body. And if you say, well, I can't be with the body because I find it difficult to be with the body. I don't feel part of the body. Then go to somewhere where you can be part of it. Because this principle was designed by God. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says this, speaking about the importance of meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See that? In Hebrews 10 it says that. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. That's what it's all about. Do you know sometimes it's not about... The best times here, it's not about the sermon or the worship. It's the fact that you can come in and over a coffee sometimes be encouraged. You might say, well, there's all these gifts and the prophetic. Do you know what? There's a gift of encouragement as well. And that's a powerful gift. Because I'll tell you one thing. When we all feel alone, we feel trodden down. There's nothing better than when someone picks you up. You can have a prophetic word, but you can also have a word of encouragement. Wise words to remind us of the goal. He says this, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see that goal approaching. Keep track of those running this same course, Paul says. Keep track. Look at the ones who are running this course. He says, stick with me, didn't he? Look at the ones who are running this course. You don't get that at home. When you're together and you see and you're encouraged by the testimonies that happened today. There's some people who miss out on some of these great testimonies because they're not here. But these are encouraging. It's encouraging to know, know, isn't it, that someone can go out on the streets. Who I know, Rob won't mind me saying this, who's a failure, so am I. We're all failures. None of us are perfect. None of us have got the halo. But yet, he sees the miracles in front of his eyes of God moving and touching people. This is enough to encourage us that you can do the same. Keep track of those you see running this same course. But we should take it one step further. We should take it one step further and we should get close to the ones who are on fire for God. 
You say, why should I big up someone or, 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 or follow someone who's on fire for God? I'm supposed to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus at home. There's nothing wrong with following someone's faith. Following and imitating what their faith's like. Because I'll tell you one thing, when Rob and certain others who've been chatting to me about things that they step out and do, I just think it encourages me to do it. To get around these people who are on fire for God. If you don't get around some of these people on fire for God, who are you hanging around with? Which people are sharpening you? Which people are infecting your life and and having an influence on your life this year? You come to Tuesday nights on next Tuesday nights to the, the worship and prayer evening, you're getting around people who want to be passionate and seek after God. Get around these people. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so as one person sharpens another. Basically saying, if you get together, you'll sharpen each other up. What use is a dull, is a blunt knife? There's someone keeps coming around to our house. Every time they visit, I've got the knife stack. We got it for our wedding present. It looks really, really nice, but yet they're all blunt. And every time this person comes, he says, I need to bring my knife sharpener for you. And I say, yeah, you say that every time. But what use is a blunt knife? Iron sharpens iron. You need to be sharpened. God sharpens us through his word, but he also does it when we get together. Sometimes pride gets in the way. It's like, no, no, no. I'm not going to join together with you. I don't need you. I can do this all on my own. I can, I've got my own faith walk. I don't need anyone else. Let me tell you this. I need people. I need you. I need every one of you. Because there's certain people here who sent me, when they send me a text, and it can be the smallest little thing, and it's so encouraging when I feel low. And I do feel low sometimes. And when I get these little texts and I think, and it's right at this perfect time. I want to encourage you, a text to someone in the church, your brothers and your sisters, he said, stick with me, didn't he? Brothers and sisters, text someone. Just little things that we can encourage each other, sharpening each other. Yes, we can. It is good to sharpen each other here together when we see each other face to face. But we can do it as well through other means. In Hebrews 13, again in Hebrews. Hebrews 13, 7. It says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome Of their way of life. Speaking about people, not God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There you go. Imitate. You're not imitating the person trying to be anyone else. No one can be anyone else in this room. There's certain people sometimes who look to that. I wish I could be that person. I wish I could do that. None of us can. We're all designed specifically for a task. That's what I love about God. There's certain things I just know that even if I wanted to be like someone else, I can't do certain things. I just cannot do them. It's not in me. But let's do the things that God has given us, the gifts. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Not imitate them. Imitate their faith. Look at the faith. Say, wow, this person's is daring to pray for someone and that they will be healed if they just say, Jesus will heal you, putting everything down on the line. You're not imitating anything of their actions, although sometimes the principles and things we can learn from each other, the methods of how to do it is a good thing. But we imitate their extravagant faith. I want to encourage you, stick together with people and imitate them this year. Imitate extravagant faith for God. The writer of Hebrews said, imitate the faith of others. 
imitate the faith of others, not because these people are special, it's because they follow Jesus. Their faith is in Jesus, not themselves. These people are on fire for God, it says. Look, consider the outcome of their way of life. Consider the fruit that's coming from their lives. They keep talking, these people are on fire for God saying, this happened, this happened. Consider this outcome. Consider the fruit that's produced by someone who's on fire for God. It's not about them, it's about Jesus. Jesus is healing people on the streets, not us. Jesus is speaking to people prophetically through us. But it's not us. He said, follow them. Imitate their faith because, G- because it's Jesus in them. And what does it say in the, in the end of that scripture? It says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He never changes. The person might change. The person you're looking at, you might find faults in. You might think, ah, yeah, but look, at what, how could he do that? Why should I imitate that person? Why should I imitate them when they, they said this last week to me? They, they did this and... They hurt me. Or they, they don't understand. Let me tell you this. We are all, I said it earlier, failures. We're going to fail each other. When the body gets together, there's, sometimes there's a bit of pain sometimes. It's not an easy ride. We have to learn to get together. None of us in this room today from all over the world would be together if it wasn't for God. Would we all just have invited each other randomly now to our homes? No. We're here because God has brought us together. And it is difficult sometimes when the body operates together, but that's why we have to keep focused on the goal. We have a primary objective. And when we realize the objective is about Him, and we don't look at the frailties of others, we're not saying, I'm not going to imitate that person because they, they, I don't like the kind of things that they do. At least imitate their extravagant faith. Because the person that they are following is Jesus, who never changes He is the same yesterday, today and forever. They may change. Man will always let you down. But God never does. Finally. Number three. Take the right path. Take the right path. We read this early in verse 19. There are many out there taking other paths. Choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. This is powerful stuff. You can just flit over this and just read it. He says this, Paul says this, Remember the one who persecuted Christians, the one who never had this goal. He never saw this goal before until God removed the scales from his eyes and he could see Jesus for who he was. But now he sees that goal. He says this to them, he warns them. And he says this, there are many out there. There's many people taking other paths. Choosing other goals, other ideas. And trying to get you to go along with them. Right at the beginning of this year, there's people you will meet. There's books you will read. Of people trying to tell you paths, goals, things you could Put your energies and time into to achieve. There's things that people encourage you to do. Come and do this. Give your time into this. Follow this path. And he says this, there's many people out there have got all these good ideas. They're saying, follow me, follow my way. Look at my success. If you do this, you'll be like me. But Paul says, don't. Don't look at these people. Don't look at these ones who are saying, talking about these paths, other paths. Remember your path. Remember your goal. Remember the primary thing to put all your energies and time into. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Take the right path. I was reading in a tabloid just last week. And it says this. 
in a tabloid talking about people who we should remember and look to for 2013 who've influenced us, key figures who we could look to to follow, who've influenced 2013 and key figures of this time. And it said this, thousands of years ago, this is in the tabloid, thousands of years ago, so the Bible records, a line of prophets emerged from among the people of Israel. Often men of great learning, the prophets spoke with the voice of God in blistering, often controversial speeches, they savaged the sins and hypocrisies of their leaders. And in their spiritual wisdom, they laid down a path for society to follow. He then said this, the last line, the days of the prophets are long gone. The days of the prophets are long gone. But society continues to throw up seers and spokesmen. This very tabloid was basically saying that many years ago we heard of prophets who spoke and gave direction. But now they're saying that was long ago. Now it's silent. Now we look to the figures that emerge in our society. It gave two people, just two examples in this tabloid of two people, and I'm not going to mention their names, but two key figures in 2013. One of them was a very, very highly successful businessman. Made huge amounts of money. And then the other one was a famous figure whose career was quoted by the tabloid by his devotion to sex and drugs. That's how he was popular. That's how he was known as a key figure for 2013. And actually, his voice is speaking through into our generation and our young generation. Of people who look at key figures like this, who there's nothing wrong with success or business, but they're looking at key figures like this. They think that these paths are the only path. And if someone is speaking in derogatory terms of about promiscuity and all these different things that you can do, our young people are hearing these things and looking to these as key figures. Let me tell you this, that tabloid might say that the years of the prophets are long gone. I believe in the New Testament that says that in the last days God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. God is still speaking today and He's still raising up people, men and women of God. He's still raising and emerging people, not people you'll find on the front of the newspaper who's your key figure for 2014. But there's people who you won't read about. There's people who are standing up on fire for God. Doing great exploits for God. Key figures who are filled with the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. There are people out there that you will not read about in your tabloid. And these are the people that our young generation need to know about. These are the people who we need to look to and imitate their faith. And and realize where is this coming from? What's the source? God is still alive. His prophets, the Old Testament prophets might be past and gone. But today we can be filled with the Spirit of God. And He's alive still. Working through us. We shouldn't model our lives or look to some of these key figures that are talking about the past. What did it say? He said this. That the Old Testament prophets laid down a path. A path for society to follow, said the tabloid. As though now, we don't have that path. Now, the path's gone. He's, God, he's, he's history. You've just got these key figures who, by success, they're the ones to look at. Let me tell you, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. You say, how do you know that? I know that I know because he's inside of me. 
And the Bible says that he can live inside of us. His spirit can live inside of us. We can be on fire for God. When his spirit comes inside of us, it changes us. It burns out all the rubbish. He is alive forevermore. He is alive forevermore. I don't believe what they're saying about the, that this has died, that I have to look to key figures. People who have these odd ways and odd things that they suggest that I should follow. My path is the goal. The goal of the year. The goal of the year is to follow the goal that Paul spoke about. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 3, he says this, In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Let me ask you, before I read this, does this sound like today? Because it does to me. In the last days, he's talking about before God returns, before Jesus comes back to earth. In the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, but not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, having a form of godliness. Looking like they're the ones to look at. But denying its power. The last part of that sentence. Have nothing to do with such people. Have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with it. If they entice you by these are the ways to follow. God is alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Paul said there's many out there taking these other paths. He said many other people have got lots of goals, paths and ideas that we can follow. But his path should be the ultimate goal for us. Matthew seven thirteen to 14 says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many people enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I want to encourage you today. If you're going to look for the path, when you look for the path in Christianity and through God and through Jesus, it is not going to look like the right choice path. Many years ago, I traveled with my dad to, we used to go to France every year, and he'd drive to, right from, from Sheffield to the bottom of France to Cannes, where the film festival is. We'd go every year for a camping holiday. And my dad would drive there, and he would refuse to go on the motorways to save money. So we would drive all the way down then. It took three days instead of two. And I used to sit in the back of the car with my sister, with no air conditioning then, sweating in the back, thinking, why on earth can't we just get on these motorways? And we used to go these beautiful scenic routes through the Alps, all the way down. Things that I, I can remember to this day, seeing beautiful scenery. And I remember when, just a year after me and Emma got married, I said to my dad, I said, we're going to go camp into France, and we're, we're not going to go down to the bottom, but we're going to go. And I got the tent, and we went as well. And I remember going down there and I thought, I am nowhere going on the minor roads. I'm going on the motorway. And I paid in advance all the toll to go down to where I was going. And I was flying down these motorways thinking, wow, these long straight roads. But I looked around, there was nothing. It was just empty fields. And boy, did we get there quicker. But we missed the scenery. I was attracted I wanted to get there quick to go for the motorway. And I wasn't ca caring about paying the toll. I just wanted to get there quick. And that's the biggest thing. That the big road, the, the wide road today will entice you by. Have things quick. Look at what you can have if you follow this way. 
Wide is the road that leads to destruction, Matthew says. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few people find it. I want to encourage you, be one of those few. It's the best thing we can do to choose this wide, uh, this narrow path. This limited path. This one that doesn't have all the attraction to it. That looks quite scary to follow in this next year. Quite limiting sometimes. Quite challenging. Quite difficult. But Paul says, keep your eye on the goal. Because if you follow follow the narrow path, you're on the winning side. You'll win the crown that never fades. Finally, to read from Psalm 65. Psalm 65, verses 11 and 12, says this. You, speaking of God, you crown the year with your goodness. Love that. And your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness. And the little hills rejoice on every side. You crown the year with your goodness. And your paths drip with abundance. Let me tell you today that if we follow this path, if we follow his route, choose the right path, take the right path, he will crown your year with goodness. He will crown your year with goodness. And his paths, the paths that he leads you on will drip with abundance. In the wilderness areas, it says, in the difficult bits, it will drip in those pastures of wilderness. I want to encourage you today as we come to a close to reprogram your life sat-nav. And not choose the wide road. Not choose the motorways, but to choose the simple minor road, the small road that leads to life. I want to encourage you in your hearts this morning to reprogram your satnav, your spiritual satnav that says, do you know what? I'm going to really focus on following you, God, this year. I'm going to look to this year that is exciting for me because, Lord, even if I'm a failure, Even if I've messed things up, I know that the goal is the important bit. And I'm going to reprogram to follow that goal and to not be distracted by all the other paths that I could choose. And his promise is that he will crown your year with goodness. Amen. Let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.